Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is the Spoken Word Program. I am Santo Katsati, and we've got a bit of a triple whammy program today because three of the Spoken Word team of presenters will be presenting this program to you this morning. I am Santo Katsati. Also presenting today is... Carmen Main and Ella Fornelska. Well, thanks for joining me in the studio. We're sounding like some of the other programs on this station that actually have multiple presenters, (laughs) which I think is a really nice thing. Now, why are we here in the studio today, this morning, together? Well, we've decided to celebrate our wide and expanding and fabulous Melbourne community of poets. Um, So, yeah, we're going to read some of our favourites. Yeah, giving shining a light on some poetry that we all love and... um, yeah, just sharing a little bit about what we love about the spoken word community. Hmm. Did you get that, listeners? That's what we're doing. And let's make it absolutely clear that none of the three of us are going to read any of our own poems. No. Because the scene is very, very, um, very much about inclusion and about um, not being out for oneself, but about admiring the other people that are in our scene. So I reckon that the next half hour is just going to be the three of us reading some of our favourite poets who are not ourselves. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be really nice. Now, who's going to kick off proceedings today? Should we rock, paper, scissors? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) All right. So, ready? Oh, it's not a very auditory medium, is it? It, It's not not very visual, is it? No, okay. Well, maybe I could just go first. Uh, All right, because alphabetically, C for Carmen does come before Ella and Santa. So that's what we will do. Okay. All right. The first poem I'd like to share today is from a collection called Sunblind. It's by Jeff Lemon, a Melbourne poet who I greatly admire. Um, I first came to know this collection when it was released in about 2007 or 2008. Um, And I would love to share a piece which is called How to Write a Love Poem. Firstly, sit at your desk for several hours. Don't write anything. Watch the leaves through the window shift in the afternoon light. Think about her. Think of the taste of her nipples, the shape of her hips. Get yourself off if you need to. This is important. Eat ice cream or almonds and go for a walk nearby. Force yourself to look for details you've never noticed. A spray of gumnut flowers in a certain tree or the pattern of a wrought iron gate. Go home again and vacuum. Note how the lack of debris makes the whole house stronger. Note how the lines of floors, walls and windowsills combine to form clean, white indices of light. Imagine that your house is a balloon. Imagine that it's barely tethered to the ground. Now go to meet her. If you've been imagining hard enough, you'll need to climb down a rope ladder to the street. Remember that hands are important. Pay special attention to the knuckles, the skin between the knuckles, the furrows between the tendons. Take her on a walk different to the one you had before. Details are not your focus now. A cliff top by the ocean is good, though locations with similar qualities will suffice. Follow her along paths that show white against the grass. She can wear blue blue jeans if she wants. You can nudge stones aside with your foot and note the way they crumble. 
Do not try to turn this into a metaphor. Take her home. By now your house should have settled back to earth. Daylight will be leaking from the sky. Light one candle, or three. Clothes are an embarrassment. There are many ways this can go. Put your hand somewhere. Think about breath. Twitch. Pay attention to bed springs. Admire the shape of her hips in real time. This part is largely up to you. Afterwards, find the grainy shadows of her eyes in the dark room. They should be so hard to see they seem about to dissolve. Because they are insubstantial, they will have more substance. Pay attention to the knuckles, the stomach, the throat. Lie. Feel the heat of her sleep. Get up at 3 a.m. Sit at your desk for several hours. Don't write a poem. The poetry of Jeff Lemon, read by Carmen Main. Uh, I haven't seen Jeff for years and years. I but, know. Uh, I thought I'd bring him back in one form or another. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, he's a wonderful writer, and I guess I have an aversion to list poems and how, <laughs> or instructional poems, and this is the exception for yeah. me. I think it just beautifully weaves some great imagery, and it doesn't it's not insisting upon something the same way that list poems do not to be too critical it's a good writing tool and a and a sort of springboard for ideas but yeah there's just something quite beautiful about that piece to me Mm, I think what works about it I thought that too it's like pretend well it is a list poem but it does it in a really disguised way is the imagery yeah. It just pops, and when I instruct um, poetry to my students, I say, make me see a movie in my mind, and I was, with that poem, I was really seeing all the imagery. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. Um, I do miss Jeff because, you know, uh, you uh, neither of you will know that actually uh, Jeff was on the pilot program of Spoken Word. Oh, <laughs> really? In God. 2008, uh, Rhonda managed to get him to come along, and he turned up, and he never came again. Um, and it was really amazing because, like, um, we uh, used to have so much to do with him on the poetry scene 10 years ago. Apparently now he does cricket commentary. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. he's um, in broadcasting and yeah. um, I think he yeah, was editing voice work, well, maybe not voice work, sorry, um, going down swinging for yes, a while. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and a whole lot of other things. Uh, I think it was very much in, like, hip-hop, the hip-hop oh. scene and mm. stuff like that. Yep. And we didn't see him on the poetry scene for ages and ages. And I've got a, a little personal story to tell because when I was running the House of Bricks a few years ago, he suddenly turned up, and I hadn't seen him for something like six or seven years, and he came to the House of Bricks, which was my gig, because his dog had died. Mm-hmm. And and he felt that uh, he had to express himself in poetry um, about that event, which had mm-hmm. happened like the day before or something. Mm-hmm. So he suddenly turns up to a poetry gig, and I was so privileged that it was my gig, and he mm-hmm. read a poem about his dog. And then once again, we didn't see him ever again. It was mm. a beautiful thing, mm. really mm. beautiful thing. Well, poetry has that power, doesn't it, yeah. to really console you during tough times. Yeah, mm. you, absolutely. You turn back to it all the time. Mm. Mm. Ella, what would you like to share first? Uh, I'm going to bring a little bit of Andy Jackson to the mix. Um, So Andy was one of those poets that uh, really blew me away from the very beginning. And so this is probably early 2000s and he was self-publishing then and I just thought, oh my goodness, like the skill that he brings in such a gentle way to his poetry is what I would do, aspire to in my own work. 
So the poem I'm going to share is actually a love poem and I think that love poems are so difficult to do well and I I believe that Andy's really succeeded um, on this one. It's called I Remember We Met. I remember we met in someone else's clawfoot bath. The taps were awkward. The moon turned away discreetly. I was all tears and apologies for being desired. Climbing in, I slipped, bumped my thinking on your actual body. We couldn't speak yet of what the water held. We let some out to pour more in, touch the skin at each other's wrists. Of course, the mirrors fogged up. Time pulled like candle wax, and when you stood up, you shone. On 3CR, they were the words of Andy Jackson, read by... One of my co-presenters today, Ella Fornalska, also in the studio with me today is Carmen Main. I'm Santo Katsati, and I'm going to read uh, a poem from Maxine Clark's book, Original Skin. This is a, a very um, protesting kind of a poem about some of the issues of race and social justice that we had to deal with here in Australia and pretty much around the world. Uh, and I found this poem extremely uh, powerful not only in its political message, but also in the actual um, manipulation of language. You will hear words that uh, actually don't exist, because she's gone and, like, combined words into new words. You'll, you'll hear what I mean. It's called Riot. Riot by Maxine Clark. A brown body without its fist in the first Is the white light shining in Amadou's eyes The steel-capped boot in Rodney's spine And the marksman marking Luther's life Riot A full mouth without a mic megaphone Spells the solitary cell of Mandela's years alone And the Baxter backer's chant of go home So riot Africa's child without hope in her smile is a freedom civil rights riding front of the bus denying Federal Bureau of Indignihilating Crime Riot. Able black legs that just won't take a stand are like Malcolm and George Jackson gunned to the ground in grave graveyard roll call of Brown. Riot. Anti-aber-revolutionary terror cronullians are highlighting a partigration. But what's new? I've got the hope deporting, Hansen courting, Vegemite flag sporting, Hippocrista history warping, Manda detention supporting, true blaxploitationary blues riot. Africa's child without hope in her smile is a freedom civil rights riding front of the bus denying Federal Bureau of Indignihilating Crime. So now, guests, we're just going to throw to a little bit of music. Now, um, the person selecting the music is normally a very generous soul in the poetry scene. Um, as a PJ and member of the audience, you always can hear uh, when he's there supporting you and also as an MC, very generous. But um, he's even told us that we're very, going to be hands-off today and he's the dogmatic dictator behind the decks. About music, yeah. I, I'm very generous about poetry. I'm, I'm very, very stingy about music. I'm very <laughs> doctrinaire about that. So I've got a couple of music selections appropriate to the day to play today. I've got one for each of you, Carmen and Ella. So I'll start with Carmen as you're alphabetically first. Um, I do believe, Carmen, that uh, you were named after a very famous opera. That's right. Um, the opera is called 
funnily enough, Carmen by Bizet. My folks were, um, yeah, into opera and music in general. Yeah, and as it happens, uh, I actually think it's one of the greatest operas ever written mm. uh, from a literary point of view, from a music point of view, from a philosophical point of view, from so many points of view. Um, so as my first dogmatic music selection, uh, as a tribute to Carmen Maine, I would like to play my favourite part of Carmen. I mean, there are so many parts of Carmen that I love and that so many people would recognize but my very favorite part is the entrance of the bullfighter um escamillo (laughs) Uh, for some reason the the latin inside of me somehow identifies with this character i don't think he's the most important person in the opera but there's just something very latin and pseudo macho which is me, because I'm very Latin and pseudo-macho. So this is the um, entrance of uh, Escamillo uh, in Carmen, and I'm sure you'll all recognise it. Okay, that's a good place to fade it out. We don't want, you know, we are Geelong, the greatest team of all. That's just really not on here. Uh, it was from Bizet's Carmen. Okay, you're on uh, 3CR Community Radio. This is the spoken word program being presented today by myself, who happens to be Santo Katsati, and with me in the studio today we also have... Carmen. And... Ella. All right, enough about that, um... More poetry. Uh, Carmen, you're next. Thank you. I'd love to share this piece. It's by a New Zealand poet. Her name's Hera Lindsay Bird, um, and it's my favourite poem for 2018 so far. Hopefully we'll be impressed by something else as well, but I just love this piece. It's called Pyramid Scheme for RWT. 
The other day I was thinking about the term pyramid scheme and why they called it pyramid scheme and not triangle scheme. And I asked what you thought. You thought it added a certain gravitas and linked the idea of economic prosperity with some of history's greatest architectural achievements, unconsciously suggesting a silent wealth of gold and heat. A triangle is two-dimensional and therefore a less striking mental image than the idea of a third dimension of financial fraud, which is how many dimensions of financial fraud the term pyramid scheme suggests. But I had to pause for a second at the financial fraud part because it occurred to me I didn't really know what pyramid schemes really were. I knew they had something to do with people getting money from nothing like the person at the top of the pyramid scheme or, more accurately, triangle scheme, acquires a number of investors and takes their money and then pays the first lot of investors with the money from another bunch of investors and so on and so forth, all the way to the bottom of the triangle or pyramid face, which is the kind of stupid thing that happens if you keep your money in a pyramid and not a bank account. Although if you ask me, banks are the real pyramid schemes after all, or was love the real pyramid scheme? I can't remember. Maybe it's better to keep your money in a pyramid than a bank and I should shop around and compare the interest rates on different pyramids. Maybe I should open a savings pyramid with a whole bunch of trapdoors and maliaras to keep the financial anthropologists, I mean bankers, out, my emeralds cooling under the ground like beautiful women's eyes. I think this was supposed to be a metaphor for something, but I can't remember where I was going with it, and now it's been swept away by the winds of whatever, but knowing me, it was probably love that great dark blue sex hope that keeps coming true, that cartoon black castle with a single bird flying over it. I don't know where this poem ends, how far below the sand, but it's still early early evening, and you and I are a little drunk. You answer the phone, you pour me a drink. I know you hate the domestic in poetry, but you should have thought of that before you invited me to move in with you. I used to think arguments were the same as honesty. I used to think screaming was the same as passion. I used to think pain was meaningful. I no longer think pain is meaningful. I never learned anything good from being unhappy. I never learned anything good from being happy either. The way I feel about you has nothing to do with learning. It has nothing to do with anything. But I feel it down to the corners of my sarcophagus. I feel it in my sleep. Even when I'm not thinking about you, you are still pouring through my blood like fire through an abandoned hospital ward. These coins are getting heavy on my eyes. It has been a great honour and privilege to love you. It has been a great honour and privilege to eat cold pizza on your steps at dawn. Love is so stupid. It's like punching the sun and having a million gold coins rain down on you, which you don't even have to pay tax on because sun money is free money, and I'm pretty sure there's no laws about that. But I would pay tax because I believe that hospitals and education and the arts should be publicly funded. Even this poem, when I look at you, my eyes are two identical neighbourhood houses on fire. When I look at you, my eyes bulge out of my skull like a dog in a cartoon. When I am with you, an enormous silence descends upon me, and I feel like I am sinking into the deepest part of my life. We walk down the street with the grass blowing back and forth. I've never been so happy. Oh, my goodness. I have to say that's my favourite poem from 2018. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, quite, wow. it's quite a phenomenon. I just, yeah, I really, really love that piece because it just it dances between the personal and the large and the small mm-hmm. and it makes you feel everything all at once. I really like it. 
And there's so many lines that I'd love to just pick out. Like, um, I've never learned anything from being unhappy. I've never learned anything from being happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that um, learning and emotions don't have to be connected. You don't have to feel a thing to be learning. And, yeah, learning doesn't depend on feeling so much. And I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. that, maybe I can take some of this life advice from this beautiful poem and maybe apply it to myself. <laughs> yeah, totally. And about um, that she used to think arguing was honesty. Like yeah, I'm like, I really relate to that. I think my favourite image in the piece is um, that cartoon Black Castle with a single bird flying over it. I just, I don't know. It's just the link of the domestic imagery that's so romantic but so everyday as well. Yeah, it's just a poem of real... Um, yeah, interesting convergences and parallels, and it's gorgeous. Well, um, I think the pyramid thing at the start was the thing that really got me. Yeah. Um, I know this is not supposed to be about us, but, you know, Carmen, you could have written that poem. Oh, <laughs> I know. I, you, you're you, being very kind. Well, I, I, I knew you'd say that, but like... Yeah, um, I don't believe you, know, you for a second. No, <laughs> uh, and the reason I say that is because it, it has this sort of tough cynicism and yet this penetrating into like um you know wisdom about life and and things that uh you know cuts through the bullshit um mm. and and the, the first part of the poem seemed to have a lot about you know pyramids and bank schemes and all that kind of stuff which, i actually you know, thought you would appreciate bullshit. that part of yeah it. <laughs> but but then you know it, it sort of gradually moved into this you know the, the stuff that that you two ella and carmen were talking about the sort of more personal stuff and you know weighing up and accounting what exactly is unhappiness and happiness in life and and how you know the things that are supposed to bring us these wisdoms and insights Sites are actually not those things at all. Mm. It was actually the writing of the poem that did that. Yeah, yeah. it's a really incredible piece. It takes you on a bit of a journey. I Unbelievable. Mm. And, and I've never heard of this poet before. So, Hera um, Lindsay Bird, she's yeah. from New Zealand. And yeah. Um, yeah, I believe she came to Australia for a book launch uh, late last year. Um, and I really hope I get to see her at some point because she's incredible. Mm. Well, you know, our program is listened to internationally, mm. uh, web streamed okay. on www.3cr.org.au, and we have had listeners clicking in Germany and Macedonia and Canada. So mm. New Zealand, you know, is pretty Just much the same away, thing, really? I know. <laughs> Ella, you're up, my friend. Nice. Um, okay, so I'm going to do a poem uh, that really grabbed me when I first saw this young uh, poet at the time. She's still young by heart, and <laughs> she still is young, but um, yeah, probably oh, 15 years ago or so, at the Dan. And um, so this is a poem by Lish Skek, uh, and it's called Europe. I've never been to Europe. I'm told the buildings whisper their stories if you listen and the sun feels different on your skin. I travelled Australia. I have danced with my brothers and sisters by the night fires, hitched across the desert that kisses the skyline to townships people have forgotten. You see, they're all exploring Europe, the exotic places. I have run in the rain through stifling heat across beaches edged with grass, palm trees and water so clear you can see the coral on the ocean floor without diving in. I've been happily along in the blue mountains, still not having seen Europe, slept on many a forest floor, walking through the density of ferns, damp mosses and hundreds and thousands of year-old trees, barefoot for nature is as fragile as it appears to be strong. 
I've played music on the street corners, worked for a pittance picking fruit, feasted on cheese and wine with a friend at the top of a mountain so high the clouds were all around us. I have swum in creek beds and dived through waterfalls, washed in a wood-fire bath on 1,000 hectares of bushland, looking up to a sky coated with scars, worked on organic farms for food and a bed, making many friends, some of them from Europe, slept in teepees under bridges in the snow, the hollow of a dead tree providing shelter and from the cold of that white beauty, in the morning the sky was as blue in contrast to the ground's white. Half-frozen mountain ash looked like paper, ready to hold in on itself if a breeze picked up, and the black wallabies were like rocks hunched at the side of the track. I've explored caves full of dreamtime images, their intricate patterns leave an impression in your head that's always there. Not many whites are permitted. Now I have a secret name. Still, I have not seen Europe. I love that piece, Ella. Thank you so much for bringing it today to read. Oh, not at all. It was I, gorgeous. I love it too. And, um, yeah, when I first heard Lish read it all those years ago, uh, she was really worried that I would not like it at all, having lived in Europe um, for a number of years. But I adore it. Yeah, and I think that's that thing of a rite of passage to do Europe in inverted commas. But I think there's so much here that we just take for granted and it really reminds me of that, that piece. It's just gorgeous. Absolutely, because mm. we just think that we've got all this time to discover Australia, but we don't. No, no, we've only got a certain set of time. Speaking of time, Santo, we've got time for one more. Oh, well, I'll um, do the last poem today, which is by uh, Luis Gonzalez Serrano from his collection Cities with Movable Parts. I was really struck when I first heard this poem. It's called Fiesta, Fiesta meaning party in Latin America. And there's a reference in the middle of it to the chick-a-chick of cumbia playing. And I just couldn't resist turning the whole poem uh, into a cumbia. So I've gone and kind of redone it uh, in a cumbia rhythm all the way through. So here we go. This is Fiesta by Luis Gonzalez Serrano. Red brown leather of my soul, song of my skin, voice swung out to air like an old man's flute and drum, jump and thud of crackers on your chest, laughing fire, diablito making fun of you from inside a bottle, kids circular screams ringing out of rides, mechanical dreams bought with a coin hard earned by the bittersweet seller whose tent sways to the chick -ch 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 of cumbia playing on a radio at an improvised diner. Sizzling maize next to tables laden with pots of achiote, red and salsa, saffron, tamed jalapenos that sharpen obsidian knives in girls' eyes. Mamacita, you've wounded me. Everyone bunched up out of there walking, and I don't want to heal from this happiness. Tomorrow this street will be empty, but for coloured paper flying about in the breeze, a child scavenging for unburnt firecrackers. A drunk's song echoing last night's laughter. Mm, great, Santo. You always bring the Santo to it, and I'm sure that Lewis would approve, even though his um, rendition is completely different. Uh, Santo, what about my musical track, PJ? Yeah, I got one. Yeah. Best to be fair. 
to be fair, eh? Okay. Well, um, I did play Carmen before for Carmen. So uh, for Ella, uh, very recently I did a little performance of a, a spoken uh, version or rendition of an aria from Mozart's Magic Flute. Uh, I did it in English, but I also had a go at doing it in the original German, and I'm not a German speaker. I've just listened to a lot of music that's in German. And um, Ella, who is a real expert in German and has lived in German-speaking countries for long periods of time, did actually listen to my attempt and did approve it. I did indeed. So it was okay. Fantastic pronunciation. That's, yeah, and, I, you know, it's not one of my 25 languages. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to play the uh, aria from the Magic Flute by Monostatos, which is about black and white, about the black slave Moor who has fallen for a young white woman. It's a very um, forbidden love. And so this is what uh, he's singing about. So this is Carmen Main. Um, you've been listening to Spoken Word on 3CR and we've had a really awesome opportunity to share some poems that we love. I've been Ella Fenelska and, um, yeah, I think that was fantastic. I reckon we should do a two-parter or a semi-regular deal uh, showcasing our favourite Melbourne poets. What do you reckon, Santo? We'll discuss it. <laughs> this has been Santo Cazzati signing off and shutting down.